everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast with your host, April Hanna. I finally have Mike joining me today for this podcast as we are doing a special filmmaker podcast and answering your questions that you have submitted to us about the making of the Path trilogy. So just wanted to thank you guys so much for sending those questions in. We have about a handful of them and some questions we have gotten over the years. So some of you who have followed us for the eight-year journey, some information may be redundant and you've heard it before and you know about our story, but we have a lot of new followers and listeners and watchers to our film. So we are going to share some of the old history that some of you have heard before. So we're going to get right into it. There's no really order within the questions. It's just the way that they came in. So the first course question that we got was, where did you guys get the idea for evolution? It's much different from the other two. And this is coming from Sarah from California. Thanks, Sarah. So, Mike, do you want to kind of take that one and explain what yeah. the idea was? Yeah, it's, it is different, but it was the natural progression of the subject matter. Like when we would be talking to William or Tom, we had a list of questions and you know, there's of course there's a lot of questions that you know didn't make it into the films and such. But as we were going through the footage, we noticed the our questions started out pretty much as the way our films went, which was you know life after death, and then their subject matter, like especially with the Monroe Institute, Tom and William, it was out of body experiences, which became uh, beyond the physical, and everybody kind of gravitated towards. And also, I I think we did have a question, kind of like well, what is the point? And everybody's answer was to evolve. That that was basically it. So that was, with going through the footage, we noticed this natural progression of of that, that thread of, you know, this is how it is, this is what you do, and this is the point, is, you know, the, to evolve. And that's how we got the subject matter. Okay, next question is, will there be more movies? And that's coming from Kevin from Colorado. Yes, there, there will be a few more movies. Well, actually, we have a long list of movies that we want to get to. We're still working out which one to do next. We do have one more mini film that's going to use some of the existing footage that we already have. Yeah, there's, there's some footage that in the 2008 stuff that we caught that uh, will be used for a mini film in the future. Do you want to get into it here about the healing? Well, actually, yeah, we can get into that. Uh, I remember there was another uh, question that came in about this, and this is coming from Marshall P. He says, thanks for the bonus footage. I've been following your work since Afterlife, and remember in original interviews, you guys were thinking this was going to be a four-part DVD set. Is there still more footage out there that you haven't released that would make up for that fourth film? So thanks, Marshall P., for actually following us since Afterlife. And uh, yes, there there is some footage. When Mike and I were trying to figure out how we were going to put out this in kind of a collective sense, we felt like that this was going to take on... Uh, a series of four films and you know the afterlife being the first beyond the physical being the second and then we have a lot of footage that we have not put out yet that's all based on healing we asked a lot of the people and a lot of the practitioners were actually energy healers about reiki about stories that they have done 
um, you know, in their practice, um, any testimonials that they have seen where a healing has actually occurred with the work that they've done. We have some really amazing stories from Tom Campbell and healings that he has done before. And then we've actually interviewed people that he has healed. So we have definitely a whole nother DVD on healing. But for some reason, and Mike, I think you would agree with this. It, we have something was like stopping the film. We were kind of getting stuck on how to put the healing footage together. And it we were losing concentration on getting beyond the physical done because we were trying to focus on um, how the fourth one was going to happen or the, you know, the third one being the healing. And I remember this was when I think Mike, didn't we, we were setting up beyond the physical and we tried to put it together like three or four times and we had to scrap it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then it was that day we were both feeling just so frustrated. We're like, what is going on? You know, this isn't working. And I remember I turned to you and I said, things come in threes, the father, son, the Holy Ghost, and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, let's make it a trilogy. What if we just do it in, in a three-part DVD set? And I remember the relief, <laughs> the look of relief on your face. You were like, ah, oh, yes. And then... yeah. You know, I don't know what happened with you when I said that, but, you know. I think, and just going by, I mean, we haven't put any footage together for this other movie that we're talking about. I don't even think it would classify as a full-length movie like the other three are right now. So, I mean, it's, and I think going in, you know, when we're working on Beyond the Physical, I had that in the back of my mind, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's not, it's going to, you know be like the others it's, it's going to be different it's not going to work and that's probably what was holding us back right yeah so that's how the idea um of the trilogy came to be and we scrapped it being a four set dvd set and then came evolution to finish it so yes for those of you who are wondering about some other movies i think that might be the next one that we might do we do have some other projects lined up in the future but i think it would be nice to get that last um, footage out there of, of 2008 and those healing stories out to everybody. So we're hoping to work on that over the summertime while we're touring with the Path Evolution screenings that we have set up. Okay, so let me see. Where's the other questions here? Oh, somebody has very good eyesight and actually sat through the credits of our film. And they asked, why is Tom Campbell listed as a lighting technician in your credits? And that's coming from Jason P. So good eye, Jason. Um, Mike, do you want to tell the story? Yeah, we were uh, in Alabama filming. This is in 2008, filming the main footage of Tom in the cabin uh, with that stone fireplace behind him. And one of the lights uh, just burst in the room. And luckily, it was towards the end of the day. So I, I don't think we actually lost any footage or anything. It just kind of worked out like this is it. Uh, and I, I think I put another bulb in and that, that popped instantly. And sure enough, there was a, a, a problem with one of the wires in the lighting. So Tom being a skilled engineer slash physicist uh took the the light home he goes oh yeah he goes i just gotta solder this or whatever and sure enough the next day we showed back up at the cabin at eight o'clock in the morning and he had a a light and it worked brand new you know just like a brand new light so that was pretty much it and he kind of saved the production because we still had another full day of filming with tom and then another 
full day of filming with William, which was going to be at the end of the week. So it, it just worked out, and you know he kind of saved saved the light, and I was able to use that light. I think for another year after the after we finished that production. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Tom, and he made the credits for another reason. So it's kind of like a little inside joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and let's see, we have, how are you funding your films? We get this question a lot when we head out and actually do screenings with Q&A panels. Um, And really, the funding initially for The Path Afterlife came from our own pockets. Mike and I, we each had full-time jobs, and we were trying to work on this idea and travel when we took a week off for vacation from each of our jobs. And we each put a little bit of money in of what we could afford to, you know, pay for a rental car and um, the tapes back then that Mike had to use um, in his old camera. Old technology. (laughs) Old technology and, you know, hotel rooms and stuff like that. And then when we got back from the trip and we were trying to put the film together, we realized we really didn't have any money left. So during the trip, we had met Donna Aveni of MBT Events and Keith Warner. And after we had met them, they came across a film contest. It was called the One Minute Shift Contest, and it was through IONS the Institute of Noetic Sciences out in California. And she said, I really think that you guys should you know, do this. And it's a thousand dollars because they knew that, you know, we didn't have any backing. We didn't have any funding. We didn't have any distributors or private investors or anything like that. And she said, why don't you guys try and take some of the footage that you got and submit to the contest? So we put everything on hold and they had to be one minute clips. And I think we were allowed to submit up to three and we did. And lo and behold, we won first place, which was really cool. We got the thousand dollars, which helped us to finish production. And then we also won, I think, viewer's choice award and, and something else. But, um, that was great. It gave us a lot of confidence. Uh, the thousand dollars really helped to finish the production. And then really what has helped to funded the film were the pre-orders. That's why we always do pre-orders beforehand. Um, because really the film is funding itself now through DVD sales. Um, We still don't have any private investors or any, uh, you know, people who are helping us with distributing except for Gaia.com. They did buy the rights to The Path Afterlife and be on the physical for digital download and streaming through their website, which is like a spiritual Netflix is what I like to call it. But other than that, it's just been us and the sales of the DVDs. And There was a funny story when we were at Columbia Green Community College and it was for the screening of Beyond the Physical. Do you remember this, Mike? There was like this one really grumpy guy out in the audience. And, you know, some some people... He was was grumpy. He he just... Yeah, you can finish that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it was maybe the tone in which he asked. He was very curious. Um, Because, you know, some people have said, wow, you know, Beyond the Physical, that's a great commercial for the Monroe Institute. And I think some people had thought that maybe the Monroe Institute had given us funding or was like a part of, um, you know, the financials behind that. And it wasn't. So, you know, that was kind of the guy's question. And he was very curious because there was a lot of uh, the Monroe Institute stuff in there. And I kind of looked at him. I looked at Mike. I'm like, are we supposed to answer this question? I'm like, well, we funded it ourselves and the DVDs and the ticket sales. And he kind of looked really embarrassed when he asked the question because it seemed like that 
he thought that maybe there was like another motive or that we weren't really doing this all on our own. But yep, the funding comes from out of our pockets when we run out or the films now are kind of supplying money for us to move forward in further production. So again, any donations that you guys want to make would be great. And the more DVDs we sell, the more movies we'll be able to create. So that's how our films are funded. You want to yeah, say something, we, Mike? Well, yeah, we, we also started this few years before kickstarter was even an idea right. and you know it so this this idea of pre-orders is kind of like a kickstarter in a way i think it, if we had started this any later when kickstarter was out or indiegogo which is another one i we may have gone that route i i but uh who knows it, <laughs> it's a different world out there now right so. well and maybe we still might have to do that you know with and, some other projects i just want to add about the Monroe Institute. Yes, they they have not given us any money towards the production of our films, but what they have done is that they do pay us for a wholesale price of the existing DVDs because they want to resell in their their own store, which is fine by us. But so they they we do make a deal with them to purchase uh so many DVDs um every so many months or whatever when they run out, they'll you know, just say, hey, we need some more DVDs, and then they write us a check, and we ship them off uh, DVDs that they that you can purchase in their own gift shop and online store. That That's the only money transaction we do with them. But they have been very supportive in other ways by including us in a newsletter, which kind of helps expand our audience. Um, what else have they done? Um, also allowing us to screen Beyond the Physical a few years back, which was actually the, the first public screening. Um, for that film was at the Monroe Institute and it was a packed house and they have been just very supportive and you know helping us get the word out but other than you know buying a few DVDs here and there that they have not given us any you know financial backing which is fine because uh, I don't want it to be sounding like we are being commissioned to create this film for the Monroe Institute where it's more it is just us and our a desire to get this information out about the Monroe Institute to the public. Yeah. And Mike, you also bring up a good point. You know, anybody that's listening, if you guys are store owners or have metaphysical stores or, um, you know, a shop or a place online where you would like to sell our DVDs in bulk, we give that distributor rate out to anyone that is looking to purchase a good number of DVDs and sell them. So, you know, you can also make some profit off of it. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can email us at customer service at thepastseries.com. How about this question? Out of the three films, which is your favorite? And this comes from Bill. That's a good question. Hmm. It's, uh, hmm. I really like Beyond the Physical, but there's something about the last film that I think might be my favorite now. There's things about it I like more than Beyond the Physical, but there's there's certain things that we did in beyond the physical that i i really like how it came out but i don't know it's a tough question yeah it's kind of like asking which is your favorite child (laughs) (laughs) at least for me i mean i have no kids but now i understand when parents say well you just can't choose i mean the way that I think The Afterlife is a very sweet movie. I mean, neither of us really, I mean, what the heck did I know about making films? Here I am, a mental health therapist. So it's kind of like when we look at that, the production itself, I know that we're kind of like, oh God, it just doesn't look great. And 
you know, it was very amateurish, but it's a very, (laughs) well, I I don't, I mean, compared to what beyond the physical looks like, it's like, whoa, you know, I feel like beyond the physical could really make it maybe to TV. I don't know. Yeah. That that was my first documentary that was over an hour long that -hmm. was going to be distributed worldwide. And we, we kind of, we, I mean, we had a rough outline, but it, looking back at the outline now, it it's kind of all over the place for out afterlife uh i i would probably definitely do things differently if i had a chance to do it again but i don't know if that day will come <laughs> right yeah no i agree like looking at that i could see places where you know when we did the narration it could have flowed a little better a little bit better there were stops and starts but i think the content of the afterlife in my opinion i really think that 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 documentary heals people there's something that brings comfort in the message of that. And I think it really hits home to people who are going through grief and have lost someone. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, I, I consider it to be like a very gentle, soft, sweet film. And then beyond the, I love Beyond the Physical just because to me, artistically, I think it captures things better from a visual perspective. Um, the flow is a lot better. I liked kind of how we put the stories together. And I, I really love the part of the remote viewing that Skip talked about and the classified military mission that to me, I find that kind of stuff interesting. So when I watch documentaries, that's the, the stuff that I like to, um, to see. And the feedback that we get from that one too, is people get excited, you know, or people, uh, of maybe an older generation who said, gosh, you know, I used to try this in the sixties and you just started up a spark back inside of me that makes me want to try and do this out of body thing again. Um, and I, I love that interaction where you know, people are saying, gosh, that just got me so excited to want to try it. And I really feel like the feedback that we've also gotten, people really sit back after that film and say, whoa, this, it's, something's a lot larger here than just being here on earth. Right. I mean, we did a handful of screenings locally and around different areas of the country for that one. And that one stands out also to me too, because like when we did Columbia Green, that I mean, that, that's Columbia Green College is in a very um, conservative area of New York. If that's if that makes sense, we had people. I my wife was out in the lobby. She had somebody come up to her, and I had somebody else come to me later at that screening, and they both kind of said the same thing. Where they they had this experience when they were younger, but because of society and you know, they weren't allowed to talk about it. It was this out-of-body experience when they were sleeping, maybe five, six, seven years old. They couldn't talk about it with anybody. I think they brought it up with their parents and the parents at the time, you know, going, the person I was talking to was fairly elderly. So it was probably, you know, 1930s, 40s. And, you know, the parents told them at the time, you know, it was probably just a dream. Just don't talk about it with anybody. And, you know, but now, you know, coming back, you know, 60, 70 years later and seeing this film that kind of documents what happened to them as well, or had this parallel experience, you know, with, you know, the subject matter in this film, that they, they were kind of relieved. And that was the feeling I got is that, oh, wow, this is explains exactly what happened to me when I was a child. Yeah. And I, I've heard that 
you know, the, the couple times at the screenings and then, you know, uh, we've gotten a few messages through emails and stuff that are along the same lines. Yeah, and evolution to me is just, I think it's really great that we were able to document and highlight Tom Campbell's toe or theory of everything and kind of looking at this consciousness system as a digital and virtual reality. Um, I think that that's, that's information that our fans have really been looking for and wanting us to go a little more in depth in depth with. Um, and then I also think the message of it and the time that it has come out in our world is pretty intense and just about trying to evolve to be better human beings. So I love evolution for the message that it brings about trying to get people to move more towards love and to be kinder and to really pay attention to how we're impacting the earth and others around us. So I think all of them are my favorite. All right. The next question, how did you find the people to interview? This is coming from Jillian Kay. So, yeah, when Mike and I got together, you know, he originally, as some of you may know from how this whole thing got started, Mike found me through my website when I had put it out for my private practice and I had put on there that I was uh, a Reiki healer and doing things of that sort. So he contacted me to actually do a documentary on me. And then once we started talking and meeting, I was thinking, you know what, I know people who are way more skilled, who have been in the field way longer than I have. Let me contact some of the people and healers that I know and see if they'd be interested in being interviewed. So that's how a good portion of the majority of the people that we interviewed in the path afterlife came about. But the first person, Jeanette Defoe, I met her through her husband. So when I was a rape crisis counselor, after I got my bachelor's degree back in 1999, I think it was, I worked at a rape crisis center and we hired a new employee and his name was Chris. And we got to know each other and we would always sit down and have lunch. And one lunch we started talking about dreams. And the night before, I had a really vivid dream of this house. And at that point in time, I was dreaming of a lot of houses. I was drawing diagrams because I was convinced that I was probably going to wind up in one of these because they were just so detailed. So Chris was like, oh, I could never remember my dreams, but my wife, oh my God, she just woke up this morning and she's telling me how she was in this house. It was a yellow house and she walked in through the front door, went up the stairs, took a right, there was a bedroom there, and then walked through a wall, and then there was another bedroom to the left. And he was describing the exact dream that I had that night. So I said to Chris, who is your wife? I need to meet her. And he had let me know that she was a nurse at Kingston Hospital, but she was also a psychic and she had her own side business and office where she read cards for people and would do energy healing. So Jeanette was the first person that I had ever gone to and I had ever experienced uh, hands-on energy balancing and healing. And it really changed my life because I was able to move through, through things that I wasn't able to in the past. And she was really one of the reasons why I went into blend holistic healing and energy balancing with my clinical practice. So that's who Jeanette Defoe is. And then after meeting Jeanette, I wanted to learn more about how to do hands-on healing. So I met Carol Von Canal, who is a Reiki master, and I took her Reiki training and just thought that she was a fabulous woman. She was a great storyteller. She told really awesome stories during the training and just very legit 
down to earth and was a great teacher. So I contacted her. And then during this period of time when I was learning about energy healing, I took a class on how to read auras and past life regression at Saratoga Springs High School, their non-credit summer courses. And that's where I met Brenda Jenks. And that was a, a really cool experience. She was like a, a really powerful lady and a lot of fun. And I loved her energy. And the things that I learned in her classes were pretty amazing, too. So that opened me up to something. And then Beth Netter in The Path Afterlife. Uh, again, I was at a training for my private practice and learning how to do tapping therapy. And Beth happened to also be in that class. And we had a chance to meet each other. And we were, Mike and I were still conducting interviews. So I said, hey, you know, would you be interested in sharing some of your knowledge on film? And she agreed. And then through some more of my Reiki studies, I met Robert Weisberg, and he was my second Reiki master who taught me level two Reiki. So I thought that he was pretty cool too, because he was a medical doctor. And here he was doing this energy work. And I thought that that was amazing. And we came to meet Hillary Ramo actually by finding her through an ad in a Healing Springs journal in Saratoga Springs, New York. It's a magazine that basically has some great articles on holistic healing and lists a bunch of different practitioners. And she seemed pretty young like us and really inventive and doing a lot of work in the world of healing. So we reached out to her and she said yes. And at the time Mike and I were filming, I was working at an inpatient psychiatric hospital called Four Winds in Saratoga. And one of the nurse managers was asking me about this documentary and film that I was making. And, you know, what is it about? And at the time, I wasn't really too open and telling people that I was doing this on the side. Because, of course, you know, you tell people that you're investigating the afterlife and life after death and talking about these topics. And you were kind of looked at as weird. So I kept it kind of quiet. But I was talking to this nurse, Fran, and I told her, I said, well, this is what we're doing. She said, oh, my God, my best friend from college was struck by lightning and died. And she had uh, a near-death experience. She's down in New Jersey. Let me contact her. She has an amazing story. I think she would definitely do your film. And that's how we came to meet Lindsay Sass. So those were all the people that I knew. And then, Mike, do you want to explain how you found William Tom? And the Monroe Institute. Sure. Yeah. So 2007, 2008, when I was going through the, you know, before even starting the film project, I had, and I've said this before, a lot of people in my life just die all in a short amount of time. So when that happens, you kind of, you know, a lot of people head to the church or, you know, they go through mourning, you know, whatever. And I needed to research and I started reading books I came across this is when YouTube was only a few years old there was people were putting out a lot of classic interviews of coast-to-coast -coast radio and also Whitley Strieber's Dreamland uh, radio show actually I don't know if that was out then but definitely coast-to-coast -coast. Uh, and there was other films and videos and I started following certain people because I knew they were fairly trustworthy, like uh, William, just hearing his story. At, at first, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical of the whole out-of-body thing. I had heard about it growing up, you know, and you kind of hear about it on TV. So I actually, I wasn't too sure about William first. And then I heard Tom, who kind of talked about the same thing. And But Tom goes a little bit further because he starts researching it and applying it to, 
you know, his physics and his theory of everything. And they all talk about, they all started talking about the Monroe Institute. And at the same time, I heard some really classic interviews with Robert Monroe before he had passed away. And so that was just really interesting. And I started researching the Monroe Institute, and that's where we found Skip Atwater and Paul Rademacher. And I, I was just researching all these people, and there was actually a, a handful of other people that I wanted to interview, but, you know, due to, you know, um, some people were contracted by other companies that they couldn't, they weren't allowed to speak to independent filmmakers or certain press, like, uh, who was it, uh, Greg Braden was one. Uh, Dr. Brian Weiss was another one that we tried to contact. And both of them said that they couldn't. They were too busy and they had, you know, way too much going on with their other obligations. Uh, I feel like there was a few others, you know, really, you know, big names that if I said them, you would know who they were. And they're just slipping my mind right at the moment. And so, you know, when April and I were, you know, putting together the outline and what we wanted to cover and who we wanted to talk to, you know, these, these people were on our list. So we sent out emails and I think we even called the Monroe Institute and they all agreed, you know, you know, the people that we had, like William and Tom agreed, Skip and Paul agreed. Yeah. That, that's how we, we got them. All right. So the next question we have, are you, are you guys going to do a special edition or re-edit of the films in a few years? And that's from Samuel. No, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I I think this subject matter, um, we may dive into little things about it, um, like maybe skipped remote viewing might be, might expand that into its own film or project. But as opposed to, you know, as doing these films, I, I think these films are done. We may revisit it in five or ten years but they would be probably called something different we'd probably give them different names but that's my thoughts on that we have so many other subjects that we want to cover coming up that i i i think it would be a long time before we rework these films if we'd ever reworked them at all all right we have um kind of a a funny comments slash question from yuri I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he asks, how come it has taken so long to get these movies out? It was well worth the wait, but you guys were killing me with the wait time. <laughs> 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 we were killing each other, Yuri, as well. Um, I don't know. I know we could both answer this. One of the things that I have always said when people ask this question and then after we see the time when the film came out and what was going on in the world, I really feel that our films are guided by a higher consciousness, by spirit, by God, but wherever you want to call it, I just feel like Mike and I are the tools to get the information out. And there is a reason that I don't even think we know why it's taken so long, because you would think we, we've had this footage, like why not just put it together and, and get it done and get it out there within a year of each other but this took eight years and um yeah it was kind of painstaking for both of us we both have full-time jobs and that's kind of like more of a technical reason why we could say oh it took so long because we were trying to find time in between you know having our jobs and paying our bills to be able to get this out but what were you going to say mike yeah i when afterlife first came out in 2009 we we thought oh yeah we, we could probably get beyond the physical out and 
the summer of 2010, or I think that was the first date we aimed for. We even opened up pre-orders, but sure enough, you know, three years later, that's finally when it, actually almost four years later, in 2013, it, that's when it finally came out. And uh, it, it was, it is it is a lot of work to do a film, especially when it's just two people. And we, you know, every once in a while, we, we do have uh, a helper that helps out once in a while with the website, or, you know, might help us make a graphic here and there for certain things but overall it's just mainly just the two of us and if you've ever worked on a film and <laughs> you have you know why last i checked for the evolution footage we have i think over 50 hours of footage and it's it's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> and uh just getting you know it, and I, I also want to add too is when this comes, this podcast comes out. There's only a few days left of this bonus footage sale. I don't think we mentioned it before, but you have well, on the podcast that we're giving away the bonus footage to anybody who purchased a DVD because going into it, we thought we might be able to fit some of the bonus footage on the DVD. But when we were putting that together, that it took a while. It was like, oh, we like this clip, we like that clip. And then, sure enough, we're up to 90 minutes, which is another movie of bonus footage. And that, you know, <laughs> we couldn't fit that on the same DVD as, you know, the movie. And just to, if we were going to do a two-disc DVD set for Evolution, then that would have changed our whole budget and our timeline and our... our um, DVD manufacturer would have, you know, it would have taken a lot longer and, you know, we probably wouldn't have been, been able to get these DVDs out until at least August or September, but we figured, oh, we'll just, you know, put everything up, uh, you know, put the DVD out with the movie and then we'll just have to get the way the bonus footage online. So you have till July 1st to buy a DVD and get the free bonus footage. So, but we may extend that a few more days and we might, you know, open that up again you know, around the holidays, you know, when people are trying to give out gifts and stuff, look out for the sales and that's one way to get the deal. But yeah, back to the original question, it's, yeah, it does take a long time. By the time we got to evolution, going through the footage was easier and easier because we, you know, we've already done two movies using some of the other footage from the same interviews. So by the time we got to evolution, we, we were able to do it a lot quicker. All right, and we have um, one more question that we'll put out for this filmmaker's Q&A. And, you know, we're still going to collect questions from people. And if there's any good questions that are asked at the screenings at the for the Q&A panels, and I have to say that that really is a priceless part of when we actually come to your town and do a film screening to be able to speak to us. And then also some of the people that are in the film will tag along and stick around afterwards but um, you know we might put out another podcast like this if we get some other questions and please feel free to facebook us tweet us or email us any questions that you might have that weren't covered in this podcast but we get this question a lot too and this is coming from tanisha why did you name your company path 11 
So I know that when Mike and I were trying to brainstorm what we wanted the company to be called and the films to be called, we were on a pretty long discussion about how this is our path, the path. Um, and that's where the path part of it came to be. You know, it was Mike's path. It was my path. It's the viewer's path. And, um, you know, just trying to get the words, the path in there somehow, some way. And then the number 11 has a lot of significance because many of you may be familiar with the phenomenon of 11-11 or 1-11 and catching a clock at that time. Um, I know Mike was catching it every time he started to work on the film. And when we met with Brenda Jenks, she did the, the numerology for us. And Mike is a path life or life path number 11. And I was born at 1.11 p.m. We lived 11 miles from each other uh, when we met. And so 11 and the clock phenomenon just happened every time we, when we were together, when we weren't together, anytime we were thinking about the film. So, um, Mike, did you want to add anything to that? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, I, I, I remember the weird, freaky thing that happened when we were in, is it, Donna and Keith are in South Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Um, I ha there's a picture of this on, on our Facebook page and our photos, but I had this old Nokia cell phone. And if any of you ever had one, if you remember, you would press like a top button and then the star in order to lock the phone. So you couldn't just dial out. And if you didn't do it within so many seconds, it would automatically lock. So we went to Donna and Keith's house and we were interviewing Donna about some stories that she had uh, about Tom with some of the healing stuff that he had done for people that she knew. And I left my phone in the car and we, we were there for a couple hours. We got back into the car. We were getting ready to, um, head out to our next destination. And I go to pick up my phone and there's 11 ones on this Nokia cell phone. I almost dropped it. I'm like screaming. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Mike, look at this. He's like, what, 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 what happened? And I said, look at this, look at all of the ones. I, to this day, have no idea how that happened. I didn't press it. I remember locking my phone beforehand. And those were buttons on those phones that you really had to kind of like press it in and press hard. So that was really freaky, uh, but also really cool at the same time. Yeah. And then we had a fun trip uh, recently in 2015 in November when we shot the new footage for the Path Evolution. And we took some screenshots of it and put it on our Instagram page because we would put the route in and on the GPS, it would give you your estimated arrival time. And there were a couple times where it was 11, 11 a.m. or 11, 11 p.m. or 1, 1, 11. I don't remember. But if you head on over to our Instagram page, you'll be able to see some photos of that trip and some of the phenomenon of 11 and 111 that comes into our lives so okay everyone so thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this podcast and by all means if you have more questions that you would like us to answer we'll probably do another one of these podcasts after we're getting some uh, more feedback about the path evolution and hearing some of the q and a's that we get at the screenings and if you would like to purchase any of the films you can head on over to the pathseries.com or path11productions.com we have the best prices out there online so head on over and again we thank you all for listening and tuning in take care